What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of Raise to Talk podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Charlotte. And on the show, we're going to be discussing current events, non-current music, and we're also going to let you in on what they're not teaching you in school. On this episode, I'm going to teach you about neglected tropical diseases, and Charlotte's going to give you a spicy take. So get ready. A.K.A. Mama! A.K.A. My wife. Oh, but really, like, thank you for joining us today. It's going to be cool to have you interview us so everyone can kind of get to know us. So, go ahead. Like, let's just jump in. And since one of you is my spouse and one of you is my very good friend of many years now, um, I was kind of interesting coming up with questions so I straight up googled getting to know you questions because I'm like what do I ask people that I like know so I just chose some interesting ones and then the list kind of sparked some ideas of my own um but we're basically just playing straight up good old 20 questions Ooh, I like that I getting to know school <laughs> getting well, to know I teach middle school so it makes sense Actually, that does make sense that you would come up with a very middle school idea, but I like it. Yeah, so I'm just going to ask 20 questions, and y'all can both answer, y'all can answer together, or we'll just see what happens. I'm down. So, let the people know, how did you two meet? Ooh, I want to answer this one. So, how do we know each other? Um, We were in a elementary school um we were in an elementary school honor choir and we went to different schools like we didn't go to the same junior high we didn't go to the same elementary school but like once we ended up going to the same high school together we like knew each other so we just like I know who you are, and you know who I am, so we're just friends. I don't, that is a great question, because honestly, I know that I, I know who you are from on Acquired, but how do we become friends? I think of the, like, high school friendship would be lunch. Okay, yeah. We lunch together right away, like, right away, and that was, like, the merging of everyone becoming, like, friends from, like, Hearst and Bedford, and, like, your crew was, like, merging with my crew. And, and we had just... the same lunch, but we already knew each other. Yeah. So, so what that crew back table? In? What was this merging of crews? Well, like, okay, how do I? By the way, how do I like explain this? So respectfully, I was I. I'm just thinking of what I've heard of high school Michael, and I'm like, I don't think that crew would merge with Charlotte's crew. Well, Charlotte was a very different person in high school, too, though, to be fair. I was a clover, and (laughs) Michael was a Toro. (laughs) And 
our school had no gymnastics team. So that was his last resort. No, <laughs> no, but for real, like we went from, I went to the kind of more colorful, um, lot of Latinx people went to my middle school, mostly white, but huge Latinx community. And Michael went to the more Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> Yeah, junior high. And so yeah. it's always like a, like, it's always a merging of those two junior highs. And there's another one that like half of their kids go to the high school and it's like a whole thing. But really just imagine like our high school experience being like the Toros and the Clovers, which is from the classic Bring It On. If you haven't seen it, um, please get out of the rock. <laughs> but like, it's back today. <laughs> Honestly, Kirsten Dunst at her finest. At her finest, and uh, like, and also, let's give it up for Gabrielle Union because right. this has not aged. Like, no, she looks the exact same. Um, but yeah, so we kind of yeah, those two groups of people we like ended up linking up, and I just I don't know if we talked about it, like if we were both like. I was in this choir like five years ago. This like I don't think we ever talked about it, but we just oh. knew. Like, I knew your haircut and you knew me and like what's up? It's a mess. Not the hair. I liked no. it. It was soft. Okay. Like here's the deal. It was. It was. Because, like, my parents insisted that I, like, do something to my hair, and now I'm like, no, because I hate doing anything to my hair. I hate the texture, like, the, like, stickiness of anything. It's just, like, mm, makes me cringe, and they would, like, make me... Oh, like, oh, they want you to put, like, pomade or something in your hair? Don't I do like that. your look. Ooh, next question. Next question. I'm ready. All yeah. Right. Come through. What made you want to do a podcast together? Because we were, like audio messaging each other instead of texting because it's just easier <laughs> and i would like go to the bathroom at work to listen to them because i don't i've never have the little adapter for my phone to have headphones and so i just like go hide in the bathroom and listen to them and then like we had talked about like we always talk about stuff that's pretty deep so i was like we should just do a podcast and then i happened to see the audio message said race to talk and that's where that came from like, whenever you send one, it says race to talk on it, and so. Yeah, we, um, we, we've always had a special relationship where, like, hey, this thing is, like, in my brain, and I want to share it with someone, and we're, we, I feel like we often pick each other for certain things, so, um, yeah. I was, I was down to do a podcast as soon as Michael introduced the idea, because, like you said, we, we try to, we talk about things that we really care about. And furthermore, we talk about things that we know about. So um, I think it's kind of just in our nature to share that. There's some lost yeah. souls out like here. <laughs> we do. We do. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, I'm opinionated and I like to share it. with. That. I think that's why she loves you. I do, because yeah. we 
mostly share the same opinion, so he just voices it for both of us. Most pretty much. That's real. <laughs> I love that. I, honestly. I, honestly, I used to be that way, but now I'm just like, I'm gonna energy block. Listen, I I used to live and not try to like, not trying to uh put you out there, Reagan, but. In my previous op- occupation, there uh, I was a bartender, and y'all would come visit me at the bar, and I just I never had to worry about like somebody saying something stupid to Reagan and oh. me or really Michael for that <laughs> for that matter having to like, hey now you like, no I can Reagan will cut you herself. My favorite yeah, thing yeah. that I ever said to someone was like, <laughs> Michael was also a bartender at one point in time, and I was at this place where he worked, and his him and his friend were working together, who I'm also friends with, and some dude came in and was like, oh, let me buy you a drink, and I'm like, well, hell yeah, free drink. And so he buys me a PBR of all the things <laughs> to buy the lady. And not without asking what I would like, by the if way. If you broke, just say that. Please just say that. And <laughs> I mean, it was college in all fairness. No, don't buy a drink then if you can't pay. That's the thing. <laughs> you, he could have got you a jello shot. Yeah. He could have got you fireball. That would have been preferable, honestly. Because shame on him for coming at you with a PBR. Girl, you could have gotten me a Michelob like a right. motherfucking lady. <laughs> you was going to do that. So, really. it's a dollar more. Like, don't play me. But at one point, he says, mm, I thought you were going to be more interesting. And I said, well, I'm not here to entertain you. And I think our friend who was bartending almost lost it laughing at that point. I I loved going to visit at your bar because, like, I didn't play a persona, but, like, I just felt like I was this, like, person living at the hotel. (laughs) And I was just meeting all these, like, top executive people, like... The David Yearman person, and then the CEO oh. of Cinnabon, and like they're over here <laughs> talking to me, offering me like connects to be able to get a job because I like always cried about how much I hated my job, even though it turns out I actually loved it. <laughs> but you had you got one other job and then realized how much you loved that job, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Well, I am really glad that you do like your job. It's nice to see you enjoying your job but i also enjoy spending time with you when you're not working which kind of kind of brings us to our next question so what is your favorite way to spend a day off i you know i actually love cycling i love riding bikes um that's one of my faves so on my days off i like to um i like to just ride around find a different way to get somewhere that i always go on my bike because that is relaxing to me i i found this is really weird 
but like I don't like having days off of not doing anything like I used to be like oh I just love to do nothing but like I started like skipping work at one of my old jobs to take the day off and I would just like lay in bed and I'm like actually this is making me more anxious so now I have to be doing something of some sort he is like speedy Gonzalez around here but I still like to do like personal creative projects on my days off even if that's like considered work it's still something that I enjoy doing yeah, that definitely makes sense. But if I don't keep you all on track, we are never going to get through this interview. So, next question. What's the last thing you read? Women Racing Class by Angela Davis. Ah! JK. Take that back. The Spooky Sat by the Door is the last thing that I read. What is that? Um, It is about... Ah a so it's a classic um it's by greenleaf which i should know what the author's first name is but it's it's uh the setting is like the 1970s and it's about a black spy that infiltrates the cia oh that's cool yeah that's cool that sounds interesting yeah by sam greenleaf Nice. So it was based off of a um, it's it's based off of a film. Did they make the film after the movie? I'm pretty sure they made the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So first published in '69, movie came out in '73. But it just, I mean, the first few chapters of it, I will say, give you a pretty good idea of what politicians are like now, because uh, okay. it's basically like. We got to do this to get the black vote, and then, oh, yeah. So very good, highly recommend. And it's a uh, it's fiction, so you know there's some like cool stuff in it. It's not all yeah. like educational. Not that we shy away from education over here. No. <laughs> I last read. I'm gonna sound ridiculous. I've read. I've been reading like a chapter every day or like a couple pages from like four books but the two that stand out no i'm not that white (laughs) chicken soup for the educator's soul i guarantee you that's uh, i guarantee you my mother bought me chicken soup for the teen soul at one point oh yeah i had that one don't do drugs (laughs) <laughs> what was that other book that they made us I don't read know that about I read like any of the world everyone disappears and like the bad people are left behind yeah left behind oh it was I there was like yes, 12 of them and I'm like how can I carry that on for 12 books the Kirk Cameron movie series that never yeah. ended oh but the book that I'm reading two of them um this is going to make me sound so like pretentious and I don't mean it to be, but it's like a book called creating safe and supportive learning environments, a guide for working with LGBT youth and families. So, so like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just working, working on like trying to develop a professional development for teachers that like helps be more inclusive in the classroom and like how to approach like um, students of the LGBT community. And no, I'm just not focusing on them, but that's going to be a portion of it. And then my other book is Britain's Black Debt, 
and it's um that's like the title of it but it also like has that little like subtitle i feel stupid saying i don't read much it's called britain's black debt and it's like reparations for caribbean slavery and native genocide so So it like talks talks about like Britain's, Britain's impact, impact on, on slavery, slavery and, and, that, and, and how reparations should, like, be a, be a thing, thing and what they are and, to, like, educate people on what reparations mean so, so they, they can, like, honestly, honestly like, like, I didn't understand it for a long time, time so. so I had to. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, because I may have I, to. I s- still don't understand it, but I've been reading that. It makes a lot more sense, like, a lot, so. Fun fact about reparations in the U.S. White slave owners were given like subsidized grants from the government for their property loss during the Emancipation Proclamation. So everyone that's like, reparations? Well, my granddaddy didn't get anything for it. Yes, he did, girl. (laughs) Yes, he did. Actually. (laughs) Actually, he did. And so I was, I'm coming to collect my check. What's up? But, um, ooh. I'm going to take your house and your yard while I'm at it. <laughs> Period. Big Bam's busting out the Bentley Bentayga. Getting on started on front lines and the history of front lines. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Man, coming with the facts. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm red. I like All this right. game. All right. right. All right. Where is the next place on your travel bucket list and why? I like the next place I'm actually going? No, on your bucket list. Like top of where you want to go. Um, mine is really easy. I can't I don't know if y'all have been here before. You've been to the continent though. I want to go to Accra, Ghana. Like me and my dad before quarantine popped off, we were planning a trip for the end of 2020 to go to Ghana. Um, but then... I want to go to panoramic. Africa, too. <laughs> so I, would that- like, I would like to see West Africa since Michael has... Oh, okay, yeah. I was about to say, I thought y'all went to West Africa, but y'all were in, like, I've, Morocco. No, I've been to stuff, Benin. Right? She's been to Morocco with me. But Benin is where I did all my Africa, research. Yeah. Man, that's that's dope. I just remember I love West African culture, and also like I grew up hearing about East Africa mostly because like my parents, not my parents, my mom, parents were missionaries over in East Africa. All I heard about was that I have a bunch of like authentic carvings and stuff from there. That's always been like something I I liked, and then getting to go and like experience it from a non-touristic. But also, like, respectful approach to, like, their culture. Like, honestly, it took... I was talking to a friend about this the other day. She lives in the islands. And she was telling me about, like, if I were to go, I'm not going to get a true experience of the culture because a lot of that's, like, kind of kept private to an extent. And um, I feel like that's kind of a general thing with traveling to an extent with people going and having, like, the touristic approach. And you're not going to get a full experience of their culture and that's the part I love about traveling is trying to immerse myself in within their culture and um when we went to this my professors had been going for like years like years and so they had relationships built with these people so they just kind of accepted me because I was with them and I got like a really raw authentic experience of what 
like even going into some villages doing research there it was really awesome but like i hate the like persona not persona it's a real thing but like the white savior like mindset like the white savior mindset of going to africa like i i definitely like i told myself i'm not going to go there i'm not going to take pictures with these kids for the sake of being able to post that on Facebook and be like, look, I just helped all these poor kids because that's going to get into what I'm going to talk about in a minute with the Berlin conference and like African culture in general and like why we have the stigma stigmatized. Like I do that they're just this like struggling, um, struggling continent as a whole. It's just like ridiculous. Like if you think about it in my idea, like Africa's super rich. Super rich in resources. Talk resources. about it. And, and the reason that, like, we sit here and, like, say that Africans, like, should get it together and, like, why aren't they developing and all that kind of stuff is just, like, an absurd idea in reality because, like, we literally set them, like, as these tiny, like, individual countries that aren't even that developed that were colonized by, like, Europeans. Um, and they called that and said, like, you're on the same playing field as China. Now go negotiate trade. And then we have that whole, like, well, why aren't you developing? Come on. You should be catching up with everyone. Okay. Did you ever answer that question? <laughs> I think you what did. did you oh, wait. No, my you favorite, did it. Oh, my favorite, oh, where I want to travel? No, I didn't, but it would probably be Africa, probably east, because I've got, been to west. So, like, Kenya, Tanzania? I want to go to the Tanzania. Yeah, that would be a That's really where I fun go. trip. And speaking of traveling, we've traveled a lot of places and tried a lot of different foods on our travels, which is my next question. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, oh, God. what would it be? I'm ashamed to admit that I almost had pizza three times this week. I mean, but... pizza's really good. Oh, I know. Yeah, because you can, like, make pizza be so much, right? The pizza is a hamburger. The pizza is a salad. The pizza is whatever you want I it to be. I made barbecue chicken pizza tonight. So I just thought of mine. It popped in my head. Shawarma. I'd eat shawarma. Oh. You really did. Yeah. And I would, again, I love making it. And since I posted the other day, there's vegan shawarma. Interesting. Well, show me. Because I cheated on veganism to eat a chicken shawarma sandwich. <laughs> so, I feel like I was there. Not there physically, but I was around whenever shawarma was introduced into your life. And you really <laughs> haven't turned back. So... Shawarma I, enough for me. <laughs> I always take the song and say shawarma enough I, for <laughs> I remember y'all getting back from your honeymoon and michael made shawarma chicken shawarma for like the next week afterwards i i want to say something like that yeah he made a lot like it's so good too like he found a good recipe he's really good at making it i'm I'm with it he hasn't done that in a long time though no but i plan on it come through wiffle I kept, like, buying chicken thighs to hint at it, but it never happened. <laughs> so you go come through. 
like, come on, I'm not the type you can hint at. Like, ask Charlotte when Charlotte. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she literally had to be like, Michael, I'm gay. I'm trying to tell you I'm gay. Do you I'm remember trying. that? I don't, but that is funny that you mentioned that because I, I feel like I just came out to so many people while I was dating Voldemort and <laughs> um and that because that's the relationship that i came out to everybody with yeah and th- such a such a tumultuous time and in, in my life am i right so yeah before you and i met though right yeah. right in fact i think we met a mexican restaurant in denton all right what phone app do you use the most? Michael's is Facebook, but what's yours, Charlotte? <laughs> Mine is definitely Instagram, but I think Twitter is starting to become a close second. For me, but definitely I to, Instagram. I had to exit myself from Twitter. Yeah, I haven't had Twitter in a while. I love Twitter. It's just, it brings out the bad in me. It's a cesspool. But in a different way that Facebook is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Facebook is full of, like, the racist that you haven't let go of from high school. And Instagram, or Twitter, excuse me, is, like, people just being vile on the internet in general. Vile. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, I still got people, yeah. This I can't get on Facebook anymore. I literally got body slammed off of a stage because of a Twitter fight. So I'm not. I was done. Breaking Twitter contests, and I would talk to like celebrities. That's weirdly. True. She goes. Reagan wins the internet. I don't know about that. I feel like you've been coming with quality content for quite some time. That's because I have a cute kid. No, before Mason, the looks. I used to be cool, I guess. Still are, Regan. I don't feel cool anymore, but maybe someday. All right. We have a deep one for you. What is something you can admit you were wrong about? In general? Anything. As a Virgo, this is taking me a long time. I mean, way too long. Ooh, you know, there's something in my past that we used to joke about. I don't know if I should say that, though. I feel like we're on the same wavelength. We're on the same wavelength. There's something... It just popped in my head. Was it at lunch? <laughs> yes, and it was about a certain, a certain reality TV show that was very popular at the time that would... Um, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I can take accountability for my actions of the past. I used to think that dwarfism was hilarious. Oh, my God. It was so bad. It's so bad. It was awful. And so I just want to publicly say that I was very ableist and I was not right to joke about that. So. That is something that I was, I know for a fact, I have been very wrong about. 
Yeah, um, me too. I've thought about that before because we used to have this like ongoing joke. We don't even have to talk about whether. Yeah, we, we won't <laughs> say what the joke was because it's awful. But it's exactly awful. It's about. Yeah, very like, bad. I, I was definitely always, wrong about that. Yeah, I've been wrong about like the majority of my high school years. I will say well, something well, to end on a lighter note here. that I was way wrong about. Um, oh, well, I was going to say one thing on a less like serious note that I was wrong about in the past was leg tats. Thigh tats to be Yes, exact. we used to call thigh tats. Like, oh my god. I I used to think that thigh tats were just, ugh, you are a ratchet. Like, I remember, I remember that. And now I want one. <laughs> yeah, now I want one. So now Michael has like a thousand tattoos. That is so funny though, because I totally remember that era when we thought leg tats were like but it wasn't even, it wasn't yeah. all tattoos. It was just, if you had a piece on your thigh, I just thought that you were just not doing it. And now look at me. I'm over <laughs> here really wanting. I was about to like, I, I'm, I didn't realize that tattoos were this expensive. And the artist that I want to give me a tattoo has a $500 minimum. So. So we're going to see if Joe Biden yeah. gives me some more money, I'll get a <laughs> Come through, Joe. You Give owe me, me some coin. coin. He owe me about yeah. $600. <laughs> he does. Give me the coins. Exactly. We did it, Joe. No, y'all didn't. <laughs> y'all did not. Y'all ain't do shit. Come on. Y'all still got kids in cages, Joe. Come still. on. Still. We don't support that here at Race to Talk. Free, no. Freedom no, kids. No, not at all. And on that note, let's keep rolling. So, what is your most prized possession? Um, mine. My baby. Ooh, you don't own her. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, she's like a product of science. <laughs> it jumped out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't. I'm sorry. Um, but I never answered the question. My most prized possession. It's either my grill. Uh, I have a 16 karat motherfucking gold. Uh, six uh six tooth on the front on the bottom grill and uh that's probably my that's one of my most prized possessions i i think it, it's tied with my favorite bike though which is my all city oh, okay bike. yeah shout out to all city but yeah my grill because although it's not the most expensive item it's such a statement piece and it's um i just never knew that like gold teeth could make so many people so angry, but more on anti-blackness later. <laughs> and, uh, for real. Um, but then yeah, I, my bike. I never even would have like thought of that. That's ridiculous. Silly. And guess what? Uh -oh. <laughs> if I had my yeah, but you know it. 
Maybe if you stopped listening to that hip hop and pulled your pants I can't up. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> Michael, what is your most prized possession? My pr- most prized possession. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, what I would save in my house or something if the fire started. Besides, like, living beans and maybe some of my Africa carvings. Uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff that was your family's. Yeah. That's all I can think of, actually. I don't really... I feel like, of all of it, though, you'd save the zebra skin, maybe. No, I don't know about that. Okay, so this is kind of related, but still different. What is one product you couldn't live without? This is a good question. It's a good question because I'm like really into my toothpaste right now. Oh, but I need hair products. So probably like the stuff, like my hair oils and the stuff that I spray on my hair all day. Lotion. Lotion. Yeah. Product I couldn't live without. Lotion. Can't be any streets ashy. So I'm gonna say Yeah. Lotion, but like the good the good kind from Lush. I don't remember what it's called, but right now my product would probably be Dr. Pepper. I mean survived. right now it's always been your product. I'm just say, just trying like... to cut it down, okay? <laughs> No one's holding you accountable. I'm right. holding myself. It's so bad, and my teeth are probably bad, and my cholesterol is bad. Like, I've got to cut it. Ooh, better go see her all. Solid smiles. This, this podcast <laughs> is brought to you by none of y'all, because you didn't pay it. No. No, we about to plug Jasmine's jeans, let me tell you. Jeans by Jazz. If y'all need a, a custom piece, Jeans by Jazz. This podcast is brought to you by Jeans by Jazz. Enter offer code <laughs> raise to talk, raise to talk for 2% off. 2%? Take <laughs> <laughs> the whole house away. Raise to talk to get 2% off of your uh, next order. If you won the Mega Millions, what would you do with the money? Give Flint clean water. Free all the homies. Um, better than me. Probably set up some programs. Oh, everybody getting bikes. I'm getting the hood nice. bikes. And I'll probably... I'll probably, like set aside some like college money for you know my nieces if they want to go to college ball out if you don't go if you if you can create an app and take care of yourself for the rest of your life then you ain't got to go to college just ball out with this get you a Birkin or something for real that's what I would do though I would probably put it into like a business that then I could use like that money to like give back in other ways. You would Jay Z it. Yeah. 
because like I have an idea right now and I don't have the money to fulfill that it. But like Beyonce. But, <laughs> but like I have an idea right now and I don't quite have the money to fund it. And so like my idea though is once I do have money, it's like start giving back. This is what I want to do. I want to give scholarships to people in marginalized communities, right? But when I say a scholarship, like that normally means like, oh, I'm going to give them money to go to college, right? No, fuck that. I want to give $1,000 to whoever applies, and they can do whatever they want with it. There's no stipulations to it. It's just to give back to marginalized communities. I'm with it. Oh, oh, pause. I take my answer back. If I met won the Mega Millions, I'm putting hits out on George Zimmerman, hey, hey. the police officers that killed uh, Breonna Taylor. Um, I would probably who would be next? Uh, Sandra Bland's killers gotta go. Tamir Rice killers gotta go. I'm putting hits out on all these people and Coulter, Tom Lauren. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> I'm going to make a millions. I'm putting money on your head, dog. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Ray. What is your love language, or what are your love languages? I think some people might have more than one. And how do you show love? So, how do you receive love, and how do you show love? I feel like for this one like i i don't know the true love languages by that like book and everything but like in a scorpio's eyes i feel like my love language is protection like i'm gonna protect the crap out of my friends and if someone like comes for them i'm coming for them like that sounded really weird but yeah and so like i had someone tell me that I need to chill one time that it made them like kind of anxious that I'm that protective and I get it. And so I had to like, really be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> like, it also everybody's... makes me anxious sometimes. And I get it. And that's where I've learned to check myself on that. But what about you, Charlotte? My love language. I have read the book and I have. Two, have I. I it's a, like, I don't think that it's people, good. It's a really good book. Like, I don't think that people should read it and like it's the end all be all. But no, yeah, it's a good guideline. Um, there's there's definitely some good points to take from it. Yeah, right on. Um, I my love languages are physical touch, and you know. I used to be a words of affirmation gal. I really did. But now I'm starting to think the acts of service. Okay, same. When I first read it and took the quiz, my top two were words of affirmation and quality time, despite Michael thinking it was going to be physical touch. That was actually number three. But um, now I think I'm definitely moving into the acts of service realm like uh, stop talking to me and go do something that's <laughs> that's real like that's See, real i'm like kind of opposite of you <laughs> i hate being touched <laughs> unless i it ask does. for it which is rare and if i ask for it it's probably in the form of a massage and mm-hmm. then i also i do like words of affirmation that's real 
I like pretend I don't. I pretend that I'm like down to like do stuff for people without them acknowledging it, but then deep down, like they don't. Or like if someone steals my stuff at like credit wise, I get so butthurt over it. So I don't know. I'm gonna have to read yeah. the book, but like I said, protect. Yeah, me. you do need to read the book. What was the last? Right, so what? Uh, what's the next one? What you got? Wait for it. All right, a classic question. If you could eat lunch with three people, dead or alive, who would it be? <laughs> you want to go first, Michael, or shall no, I? No, you go first on this because I have to think about it. Unless you like have to. I have it. a few, um, and many of mine are alive. Angela Davis, for sure. Um, if you don't know who Angela Davis is, and this isn't to y'all, because I know y'all know, but um, <laughs> if you don't know who Angela Davis is, Google is free. And she is still alive and still doing great work. Start with reading Women Racing Class. The next is probably Asada Shakur. I mean, the cliff notes are civil rights activists, part of the Black Panther Party, killed a state okay. trooper, fled to Cuba, wow. still alive. Tight. And then the last... I feel like all the people I, I came know. up with are dead. Like... This is... This is... Okay. The first two were really easy, but the next one I want to be like kind of messy. And, you know, like, I don't know, while I'm thinking of my last one, Michael, do you have one? Yeah, okay, so, obviously, SZA, <laughs> she would come to dinner. We're going to dinner, right? Isn't that what? Lunch, dinner. Lunch, okay. dinner, breakfast, brunch. SZA gets my first invite. Yours are, like, way deeper than mine. I feel kind of shitty now because I'm mirroring SZA. And I'm over here thinking of who I would have chosen, and I'm like, mm, not that serious. Way to go, Charla. No, I like Charla's. No, I love Charla's. Hit me with your best shot. What's next on the question? You didn't finish this, that question. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, I think one of the next people would be... Amy Winehouse. I figured you'd say her. And, oh, I know who. Yeah, it's Donna Summer. Is she dead? Yeah, she's dead. Okay. I'm sorry, girl. I thought you were still with us. But you think... We didn't lost so many, Michael. <laughs> I just... Well, I was going to say, I have my last person, and it's DMX. R.I.P. Nice. <laughs> R.I.P. For sure. All right, what's the next question? Okay, my personal favorite. What made you interested in your current partner when you first met them? This is a loaded question. Michael How is it loaded? <laughs> Michael got to go first. Um, I I have an answer for mine. Okay, and then I'll answer mine. Um, Michael so has to think about why he likes me, me and my current partner when we first met. 
So the shallow wisp answers are that ass and her hair because both <laughs> are beautiful. Trying to get um, the you in that booty. Literally. Um, but the other thing, the non super shallow thing is that every time I saw her, she was reading. And I thought that was oh, nice. like Love that. Dope. Yeah. The That's first book I saw her reading was Gabrielle Union's We're Gonna Need More Wine. So quotable. I sound like sounds like I need to read that. I think one of the first things that I don't know, I I remember we like met at this restaurant and this other dude was trying to hit on her and I got like super protective shocking and I was like, nah. And he didn't even like, know me. Yeah. But part of it obviously physical attraction, but then like she just had a really cool personality. I like that. It's kind of weird, though, at the same time. And so am I, so it makes sense. We are both really weird. The iconic RuPaul Charles said, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? So, I ask what you are interested in your partner. So, what do you like most about yourself? Huh. Michael, shall you take it away? I like my creativity, I guess. And my ability to, like, come up with things. That's like the inner side of me that I like. My outer side, I like my hair. I'm kidding, I don't really like <laughs> I feel like me and May have the same color hair, I swear. I saw a picture today. Our hair is so similar. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about myself, up until like very recently, used to be my loyalty. But now, I'm starting to appreciate how unapologetic I'm becoming. Yes, ma'am. That, I feel like, um, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, I'm willing to, like, stand up for my beliefs now, and I wasn't always that way. That's just good. Yeah. I definitely feel that. <clears throat> and I'm like, nah. Also, like, knowing my rights is the other thing that I'm like, well, wrapping it up, I don't know if we did 20 questions or 17 or 35, but this is the last question. It's a, it's a deep one for you. What are you most proud of yourself for? I feel like that's similar, but not at the same time. It can be, I guess. So. I feel like I'm most proud of some of the changes that I've been able to make, like, not necessarily at my job, but also within, like, other things in that realm. With, like, right now I'm getting to do professional development for the school and getting to have an input and stuff like that. So, like, I've been proud of that. And also the research that I got to do when I was a grad dollar. I, mine is not nearly as profound, 
but I'm proudest of the fact that I moved out of the city that I was born in. Like, I just realized I, like, I mean, not to tell y'all's whole lives, but y'all went to college in a city that was, like, away. Especially you, Reagan. You was far from my city. Um, But, like, my first, you know, my undergrad experience, I was 30 minutes up the road. And then, like, lived 30 minutes away from where I was born. So to move to a completely different city, albeit in the same state, but pretty much by myself in the middle of a whole panic at the disco. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself for that. A lot of people don't leave um, ever for any no. point in time. They never leave where they're from. So. See, and I said, I said, I will never come back to HEV. And then I don't technically live in HEV, but I might as well. I don't, I like it now that I'm back, but I was gone for like, what, seven, eight years? I think, so I was in College Station for seven, and it was eight, I think, because I was gone for, in College Station for seven, and then I lived in Mississippi for a year. That's, that's a, a story for you one day. That's when I learned that, like, everything is not set up for everyone. Truth. Like, that is when I learned. Yeah. I worked at a gas station for four days. And it was, and that sounds stupid to say that that's like what opened my eyes, but it did. Like it's like, it made me realize like they like threatened to not pay me. All these people wouldn't quit because that was like their only means of getting like money. And then I started thinking about it. They were like, you know, like you have all these options to go get jobs. We don't, and they, they don't leave. And education system sucks there in Mississippi. So like, what are they supposed to do? That's a, that's a whole other. Yeah, so I don't think there's anything wrong with moving back. I think about moving back to uh, DFW all the time. I have my family's there. I have, you know, young uh, nieces that, you know, I love very much that I always want to see trying to, you know, be with linked up with Mason. Like, there's so many things that would draw me back, but just moving and getting out like i i completely forgot that y'all moved to a whole ass mississippi i so that slipped my mind for a second so, i try not to think about it i mean and that is man because y'all were rugged it wasn't that bad i guess well no it was but oh well let's all right so one thank you reagan for joining us reagan definitely will be joining us later for other segments in different episodes but we're gonna move on and i think i'm ready charlotte i think i'm ready for your spicy take of the episode my spicy take of the day is anti-black people are just or anti-black black people are just as detrimental to the fight towards liberation as your homegrown white supremacist racist person you're just as bad and when i 
when I talk about anti-black black people, it's giving me Candace Owens. It's giving me um, who's the guy that died of COVID after the, Herman Cain. It's giving me very. Um, oh my goodness, I can't. What's the Clarence Thomas? Anti-black black people. These are black people that man, if they could change it in a minute, I'm sure they'd be blonde-haired, blue-eyed, fair-skinned, but, yeah. I, it honestly, like, it I, took me a while to understand that, because I still don't, and I still don't understand it, but, like, I've had an experience where one day, um, I fight with everyone in our neighborhood that's just, like, on the Facebook. I got <laughs> to, uh, kicked out of our Facebook group. Not twice you were forcibly removed from the neighborhood. Twice, Facebook because I, I called him white privilege one time, and they literally got mad. And so, and then I called some dude an asshat, and they deleted me and blocked me, and I've never been let back in. But so I was like, I'll just join um, that other. It's like another app of for the neighborhood next door, and I joined that. Not like with the intent of like fighting with people, but one day this person posted. They were like, Hey. Um, there's this truck that parks on the corner of, and they said my street name, and they start describing this, like, moving truck that parks there, and I just so happen to know that, like, down the street, one of my old students lives there, and he's black, and they were describing his, like, family that owns this truck, and they park it there because they can't park it in their driveway. So I'm instantly, like, <clears throat> skeptical of, like, why they're describing them and they, they obviously go on to say it's a black male that was in the neighborhood and I'm just confused what they're doing and they literally say that they followed them to find out where they lived okay and they also went back and went across the street to the people that they park in front of's house and asked them like if they knew whose truck that was and so they were like saying all this stuff and just, and they like added the description of that they're black. So I was like, hey, um, that's my old student. So like next time let's not like racially profile people, you know, that can be dangerous and found out they're black, the person, and they live diagonal from me. And then they tried to defend doing that by saying, well, I'm black. So, and it, it really like, I honestly had to ask my counselor, I'm like, I'm confused or my therapist, like I'm confused, like what, like, is that, like, am I wrong? No, I, there's, there, there's absolutely scores. Not, I mean, I feel like a lot of, a lot of anti-Black views are just societal, i.e. Um, wearing an Afro or big natural hair is unprofessional. And there's scores of Black people that still believe that in 2021 when we have, I mean, so many resources, so many um, different products now, so much that uh, is catered to specifically black people's natural hair. And for you, not you, but for anybody to, to say, oh, you know, well, maybe if she just pressed it and had a little, you know, straight action going on, like, it's just, it's silly. Because what you're really saying is, turn your blackness down and if you automatically associate things that are inherently black dark skin 
big, uh, big hair, frog noses, uh, dancing. Like if you <laughs> if you associate these things uh, negatively, it doesn't matter what color you are. So this to me, it sounds like you live in maybe not a mostly white neighborhood, but melting pot, mostly white. Yeah. Uh, neighborhood. It kind of sounds to me like they're the Uncle Ruckuses of the street. Oh, well, we're the blacks on this street, and whoever those unknown blacks are, you get them out of there. I commented back. I was like, you know, black people are allowed to live in our neighborhood, right? Like, I said that. I was like, it's not uncommon. Like, <laughs> And it's just, I mean, anti-blackness just goes so far beyond... Um, what I think a lot of people even put on their radar is like, oh, well, I'm not racist because I think blank. When mm, mm, that's real anti-black, though. Like, <laughs> and we can, I mean, we can go even further. Like, the way that, I, which we can get into policing, but the way that black people's speech is policed. I am one person who I grew up in a household full of English teachers. And, oh, when I was a kid, can't talk like this, can't say those words, I seen, not allowed, you really? ain't, not allowed. Oh, no, Angelie would be, would correct me in a minute. And it took me, like, growing up and realizing that, like, AAVE is its own language, and I should be proud of that. Am I wrong? Did I see something the other day that they're starting to put words in the dictionary to, like, normalize it, like, certain language or, like, vernacular that... I haven't seen that, but I hope so, truly, because, like... Now I'm going to look. Yeah, languages are, you know, AAVE has its own rules and syntax, and for, yeah, people to not... For people to uh, look down on it because it's a language that was created by people that have don't know their own languages, right? We're brought over here 400, 500 years ago. Our languages are stripped from us, so we make our own, and that is seen as, oh, well, you're not as intelligent as... Intelligent. I really want to talk about the the latest Yes. Uh, shooting... It's just really sad that not even I, – I think I was one of the unfortunate ones that got the news of the Derek Chauvin verdict and that this happened in Ohio within, like, minutes. So – and I, I will say – while I'm not as a as a black person, as a black woman, I mean, if we are just fighting for convictions for police officers to be held accountable for killing people, um, the bar is on the floor. Because what I would like to see is, aside from policy, Defunding the police. If police were like mall cops, that I, to me, 
to me is a solution. So that, and then like I was reading the other day about like starting to dispatch dispatch mental health people along with them, and like that's a start. Like that's not a like finish, but like, and it doesn't always work. But I was reading about how it like could start to work, and I think that would be interesting. Now in this situation, like that's a whole different story. I don't think a mental health person necessarily would have, like, completely... They could have held him accountable, though, by being there. To be like, yo, the moment he pulled that gun, like, you haven't even... You know what I mean? Like, you haven't even done your due diligence to, like, de-escalate this situation. I feel like, you know, part of my spicy take today was just rooted in disappointment to see anybody but especially people that look like Nakia Bryant justify her being killed and that is just disheartening because I I was speaking with someone else today and I was just like you know I feel like I offer I offer white people Un, without, I shouldn't, but I offer a lot of grace and space oh, yeah. for them to dismantle the white supremacist views that they have been taught, that they have benefited from their entire lives. I, I truly do try to give them, again, grace and space to work through that. Because a lot of people do. A lot of people need that. Oh, and I think you're but, good because you're because shit, high school, my school. <laughs> the fact that but, we're still friends. <laughs> and I mean, because everybody's owed, not owed, but like I can have a conversation. Now, granted, if it gets to a certain point, like, no, but man, to see just black people, and especially black women, were already vilified for being these hyper-aggressive, very angry, hard-to-deal-with people. And to see people come out of the woodworks and say, well, you know, don't put her in the same category with Breonna Taylor and Sandra Bland and Tatiana Jefferson, and the list literally goes on. Like, don't put them in the same category because she had a knife when really we need to a break down the situation mm-hmm. a little more because children are taught at a very young age to call the police for help yep. so like this is a child that is already in a foster system the the articles that I've read surrounding this, which we can post some in the yeah. description, but the articles that I've read about this are stating that she was living at foster care. Or she was living in foster care. The other girls in foster care with her That's what were I like too. giving her issues, being confrontational, whatever. And that the person she was fighting was a 30-year-old woman. Now, that has yet to be confirmed, but there's no reason. There's nothing, as a a 30-year-old woman myself, there's nothing that could make me 
escalate things to that degree with a 16 year old no and like for it to get to the point of a 16 year old to feel like they have to have a knife like they obviously feel in danger of some sort and like i would even go as far to say like let's just play that it comes out later that she's not even the one who called i don't give it like it doesn't matter even that's still like arriving at a situation and not taking any means to de-escalate anything to just like I don't know. I saw something where someone today was like, oh, well, the girl in the pink was just standing there and she charged her. Like, I still don't care because it's just like you don't know what happened before that one because we still only have like limited footage. Right. So maybe she charged her because that girl walked off and is like hanging out over there. And then now, you know what I mean? It doesn't even matter. Like, it's just wild to me that you can defend it. Silly. And people are really arguing, sad. saying, like, it's a, it's like, oh, we need to fix the system within it. Well, like, yeah, no one's arguing that we don't. But within fixing the system, you hold people accountable for crap they do like this. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand the whole, well, he should be okay with getting away with this because she had a knife. But we need to fix the system because that's the problem is that they're trained to shoot. And, and it's also... You know, I just, I keep thinking about the different situations that could have occurred with not, not pulling out your gun and shooting someone four times in the chat. Like, come on. And I also urge the people that are um, <laughs> in the comment section of whatever social media platform to stop urging people especially black people like myself please stop urging us to watch watch the video and you'll see because no you don't get to watch videos of people like that look like you getting shot in the chest four times i don't want to like i don't want to see that um i told someone today they were like oh you know i don't even understand how someone on the jury of the chauvin case could even like claim that they haven't seen the video and i was like honestly like i don't think i've seen it oh like, I've, i really I, to this day i never watched it i may have watched like a minute of it but i cannot think of truly without even lying watching that video yeah i don't i have no desire to watch nine eight seven six five whatever minutes of someone's last moments on earth i have no desire so it's the same people that you know urge you to watch the video to justify the police killing this baby like no i you you're not seeing the issue for what it is the issue no, is that we're all getting to argue about whether this was justified or not when in reality if this were a neighbor if this was the 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 if this were the the neighbor right next door that came out with a gun, saw a knife and just shot, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I don't know why we're we treat trained police officers like, well, it was a life or death when we don't hold regular civilians to that same standard. Yeah. The the idea that, you know, a police officer has to think to save his own life and 
whatever, like, did they think that the child was gonna Xena warrior princess Chinese throwing star the knife at the police officer? I'm sure well, if in the we, argument if, of we're saving the girl in the pink life, that honestly, so, like, like I was saying earlier, like, I, in junior high, I remember kids getting in a fight and one kid getting stabbed, and he's okay. And maybe I'm an idiot, but... No! It's it, just like, she could have taken one stab, even to the neck, and she might have lived in, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm we'll never messy. know. We'll never know, because instead of saying, put the knife down! Exactly. Back away! You know, I can even... I mean, I there's a lot of people... I can include myself in this, that if I see a gun pointed at me and I myself don't have a gun, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing. Yeah. And Mikia Bryant was old enough to know. She was very active on TikTok. It's not like she was living under a rock. Most Black people over the age of, like, 10 know that the police will shoot you. They will. Like, it's, it's, it's a sad conversation that has to be had with Black children all over the country, but everybody has it in some way, or shape, or form. I'm 30 years old. My mom asked me last week, you know how to conduct yourself when a police officer stops? Girl. Wow. But, I mean. But that's still, like. Sandra Bland's not here. Yeah, I was going to say, and it's still an instinct as a parent for her to, like, so exactly so to see or to know that he arrived on the scene and i think that what i was reading today said that there's some like four seconds in between him getting on the scene pushing some guy out of the way shooting her four times and then as she's again laying in the street for hours at a time as they often do us whenever they kill us way too yeah, it's it's the same it's the same logic whenever they used to lynch us. Oh, leave them up there for the next day so that all everybody driving by can see. See. Um and and it's it's the it's the just complete disregard for human life, for our lives that make me so angry. It, it makes me so angry to see people justify it in any way. Because again, I mean, she could have had the Grand Theft Auto cheat code big bazooka. (laughs) Like, for real. Like, and I still think that it's goofy as hell and, and stupid for... If you can't disarm a 16 year old with a knife, you don't need to be a police officer. Preach. And that's Charlotte's spicy take. And you know what? I think this is a good time to move into like things that they don't teach you in school. And so I'm going to go ahead. We're going to take a little music break, and we're going to move right into that segment.
Okay, so like in this segment, normally I'm going to talk about things that they don't teach in school and that aren't required for them. And like, I'm going to try to start getting out where I start talking nationwide. But right now we're going to talk about Texas because that's just the easiest place for me to start because that's what I know. And so Texas has TEA, which is the agency that like runs and governs like what is taught in public schools. And so they give us what are called TEKS, and the TEKS are the guidelines of what we actually have to teach. And so, like, you can kind of add and whatnot, but, like, those standards have to be taught. Like, that's kind of how it works. And so recently I started, like, reading some history books and some other types of books and coming across some information that I'm like, I've never heard of that. And one of them is the Berlin Conference of 1884. And that's going to be next week's episode. Okay, Because I started reading about the Berlin Conference and I realized that it's not a teak. So it's not required to be taught. And just to give a little preview of what it is, it's basically just when they took Africa and they divvied it up to all the European nations and um, America was there as well. So we'll talk about that later. But this year, this week, I was going to kind of go on about something about me personally. And so I did research whenever I was in grad school. And I got to go to Ben in Africa, where I did research on a certain disease. And so this isn't quite something like normally would teach you, but it's still an interesting topic that isn't taught. Um, and so... We have a thing called neglected tropical diseases. So it's literally in its name. Like we neglect them um, or they're neglected. They're not really thought of. And it's always just been like goofy to me when people are like, why would you study a disease that's not in America? It's like almost the idea of that it doesn't matter because it doesn't directly affect us. And I feel like that's just kind of an idea that a lot of people have. And so I was studying this disease called Brulee ulcer. And it is spread by a bacteria called Mycobacterium ulcerin, which is the same family as tuberculosis and leprosy. And so, like, the other day, someone was like, leprosy still exists. Yes, leprosy still exists. Um, And so it's spread by armadillos, too, actually, is a fun fact. But, all right, but this disease affects two different types of people, so it's really interesting um, it affects people in Africa and specifically more in like West Africa. And that's where I was going. It's been in to do this research. And then it affects people in Australia. So it affects two different populations. And in the African population, it tends to affect like low income people, working class people. And then in Australia, it tends to affect like really rich people that are, I say really rich, I shouldn't, middle to high class people that are golfing and gardening. So it's just weird. We don't know how it's being transmitted. We just know that people are getting this bacteria and this bacteria produces a toxin that causes like the skin to necrose and or in terms of just like eat away to the bone basically. And the crazy part is it's treatable with tetracycline, which is a common antibiotic that we use. It's just that people in Africa don't always have access to that or there's a stigma of going to the doctor there. So it's just a really interesting disease that we don't always hear about that's actually affecting a lot of people. 
And so I got the lucky chance to go to Africa and we were sampling water. Um, we were looking, I was collecting bugs because my degrees in entomology and we were just looking to see if we could find ways that maybe this bacteria was like getting into people's skin. So that's just one of the things that they don't teach you always in school. Next episode, look for the Berlin conference. We're going to get kind of digging deeper into that. Yeah, I, I and I'm really interested in learning a lot about that too, especially just growing up and seeing how there's so much misinformation about how, oh, the continent of Africa is so, you know, there's they're so troubled and they just are so poor and they have nothing like it's literally the most resource rich continent on the planet so yes I always let's say find out more why about it's been imperialized and colonized and raped and pillaged since the beginning of time This will be just kind of let's fill it out and see what you think okay and we can do just kind of a little preview of it just so we can get an idea of what people think when they listen to this but then we'll do the full-blown one next episode how about that um, okay so I've been thinking a lot like okay we'll come up with a wheel <laughs> this is ridiculous just hear me out okay it combines like five different gambling games almost and spades. Spades is kind of incorporated too. Okay, so we're gonna have a wheel. So this is like the roulette part. And it's gonna have different categories of music and older music. So we're gonna do like non current bops, is what I'm thinking. And it will be like 90s hip hop or 90s RB. And we'll spin the wheel. Okay, and this will be where we'll get the category or the genre. Then we'll give ourselves a certain amount of time, which we can kind of decide that. And we're going to compile, let's say, 20 songs that we think of off the top of our head. Or we can do whatever we want, like let's 10 to 20 songs. And we'll put it into this little document that I have that's just really easy to just input your songs. And then what we're going to do is this is where it comes into like poker, kind of. Okay, so. I will have it randomly draw five songs for each of us. So we get a hand of five, like a card hand of five out of our list that we made. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then um, we will then kind of do like, we'll place bets on like spades of like how many thing, how many hands we think we could win. Okay. okay. And then um, from there, we're going to lay down like five cards okay at a time but we're gonna go head to head so it's kind of like war technically so, so it's poker spades and war michael yeah. so far this is a lot but i'm still with you but it will be okay and we're gonna play this song like a clip of the song for everyone to hear just a little bit 
And if we want to, we could do three cards. That might be better, actually, because five's a lot. And then we'll do a, like, I'm going to put together a little, like, poll, and we'll put it out on our Instagram or our social media, and people can vote to see who wins that each hand. Like, and after each song, we'll say why we chose it and what we like about the song. Okay. Yes. But you get, it's going to random draw your hand of three, so you get what you get. You get to but it's a random drawing of of songs that I have chosen, you right? Have chosen. Oh, okay. I'm confident in my picks. Me too, because I feel like I feel like we should do just one round, not random draw. Just like let's pick a song each, play a clip of it, talk about it, and then see. And we're gonna have people vote. I would love to battle you in song. Okay, so let's do. <laughs> we don't even have to have like genre genres. Let's just do like has to be before what year 2011 no that's only 10 is that 10 years that's oh my god i feel stupid yeah that's yeah <laughs> it is 10 i mean i still think that like the way that i do math is okay so 1990 was like <laughs> <laughs> i feel that <laughs> but Let's um, do um, 90 to 2004. I don't know why I picked that year, but that's like when we went to high school. So this will so, be like solid. middle school below or like starting to the, okay. So I have my song already. And I'm an idiot. Like this is going to be an awesome game and we're still going to play it. But dude, we are not rich enough to buy the rights to play this on our podcast. So let's just do this. Okay. Um, I'm going to say a song, you're going to say a song, and then we're going to put it on our Instagram, plug our Instagram right here, which is at Raise to Talk Podcast. Okay, check us out and add us, and we're going to have the two songs that I'm about to tell you, and those two songs are going to be played a little bit on our Instagram, and you'll have a chance to um, vote on which one would win. So my song would actually be Cameron. And it took me a long time to decide between these two, boy, but I'm going to go with Hey Ma. That song is like a classic to me. It feels like a summer song to me. It's great. And not going to lie, guys, Charla's audio on this part got deleted. So I'm just going to tell you what Charla picked in the sake of being able to um, have this episode out, okay? And Charlotte's song was Never Ever by Trillville, Lil John, and Lil Scrappy. All right, let's know what you think, okay? Well, that's all for Race to Talk, episode one. Thank you for listening, guys. And don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at Race to Talk Podcast. Make sure you go vote and tell us which song you think would have won that hand. Um, and we're going to refine this. Also, we're going to refine a lot of things. You know, this is the first episode, so give us a break, okay? If the audio is a little weird, just give us a break. But I hope you enjoyed, and we hope to have you back for episode two.